Michigan wins the national championship. They beat Washington 34 to 13, the first time since uh, the, they got their natty tiles since 1997. Rowdy, you were waiting for this free Connor Stallions. Jim Harbaugh's who's the bad guy? Uh, the bad guy wins. How's it feel to see Michigan and the uh, rightful Big Ten team pull it through? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. No matter who would have won last night, technically 2024, it would have been a Big Ten team. Yeah. But this one, the Big Ten actually gets the payout. Yeah. Now, <laughs> Michigan winning 34-13. to 13, I know there was some scrutiny over some of the refereeing with holds or non-holds or whatever. I thought that there were missed calls on both sides. Did Michigan maybe get one or two? Sure. But it was 34 to 13. Yeah. And one score if, game you watch, if you watch yeah. the game, though, if you watch the game, Michigan could have been up by three scores at halftime. I don't even know how they, it was a one possession game at halftime. I, I really don't know exactly what they were trying to do on offense because in the, in the first quarter, you saw it, they ran it right down Washington's throats. And in the second quarter, Washington started creeping, you know, a little bit more players up into the box, but then they would throw the football and they like, they still hadn't stopped you. (laughs) And then in the third quarter, when Washington was completely stuffing the box, they had like eight, nine guys in the box, like every play, then they were trying to run it. Yeah. I, I, I didn't get the game. I didn't get the game plan and the, in the calling of plays in the second and third quarter for Michigan. It looked like in the second quarter, you could still continue to run it down their throats because they hadn't a hundred percent changed their, their game plan yet. You were trying to pass. And then in the third quarter, when they were trying to stop the run, all you wanted to do was run the football. It felt like the first and fourth quarter, Michigan looked like by far the better team on the field. I heard a lot of people saying that uh, the Michigan was in on the take at halftime. <laughs> <laughs> Taking the halftime under. Yeah, everyone's in on the take here trying to do this. As uh, I, yeah, Michigan was just dominant. I just don't understand his head scratching. At the end of the day, they still won, though. It wasn't, I don't know, boys, for a national championship game, what would you think? Like, I'd say it was a pretty decent game. At halftime, I was like, eh. By the end of it, I was like, eh, it was decent. I would say by the fourth quarter, once Michigan started to pull away, you could say, eh, you're losing interest because it felt like Michigan, once they went up by two scores, you felt like they probably had wrapped that one up. Yeah. But it wasn't TCU Georgia. No. Where the game was out of hand halfway through the first quarter, and then you're like, well, do I want to stay up until 11 o'clock watching this? (laughs) (laughs) That was the other thing. I mean, I know it said it was supposed to start at 6.30. I think it really, yeah, 6.45-ish. But at least that meant it got done at a normal time. Yes, yes. We all know that that the Super Bowl, the national championship, whether that be basketball, football, whatever, they always run longer because they have your little halftime things, you have your little performances, you you have everything that goes into those huge events. Thank goodness that it was done by like a little after 10 o'clock. Yes, I know. It was very nice uh, not to be up to like 11 o'clock waiting for this to be over. Mm-hmm. Um, how tainted is it? Or is it at all? I guess we'll find out uh, whenever they take away, take it away. Do you think coming. that's on the horizon? Yeah. It's gonna be gone? I will always remember this year as Michigan was the national champion. I, I think in just looking at the the football teams, who was the best football team in college football this year, in my opinion? I think if you would have thrown all the teams from college football into a simulation, they all had to play each other 100 times. I think Georgia was the best team. Florida State. You know who I think was the second best team? <laughs> Michigan. Michigan. And... I mean, to the to the voters and the 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 people on the playoff committee, they decided to go with one loss Alabama over one loss Georgia because Alabama beat Georgia head to head. I can still say I think Georgia is the best team in college football skill wise. And I think if they played every single team, I think they were the best. But you know what? They lost their important game to Alabama. Alabama had only one loss, but they had the head-to-head win. How am I supposed to put George in there? They didn't deserve to be in there. It's the same thing with Florida State deserving to be in there at 13-0, though we know that they couldn't compete. But So after Georgia, Michigan was my second-best team. I think Michigan was the second-best team, and guess what? They won all their games. They beat Ohio State. They made it to the college football playoff. They beat Alabama, who beat Georgia. And then they won against Washington, who was undefeated. They went 15-0. and They didn't lose a game. 
I don't get how they're not the best team in college football. Well, uh, back to Michigan, uh, Jim Harbaugh afterwards saying, you know, we've been suspended, what, three games this season and uh, all the controversy surrounding it all. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, after the completion of the team's 15-0 season, quote, that's what a Michigan man does. He makes it right. As the championship makes it right uh, for the season after the Connor Stallions and the manifesto and all the drama surrounding Michigan. That's what a Michigan man does. He makes it right. What? You go back to the (laughs) recruiting violations that Michigan had had suffered, which I think uh, those are the Michigan recruiting violations are pretty dominant. Like the cheeseburger receipt. And and that one is apparently internally because they wanted to get rid of him. Yeah. So that one was even a whistleblower within Michigan. It's like, was like oh, they they it. got a burger for this kid. Oh, no. Okay. Or it was like when they were over in Europe, they bought the team hot dogs. It's like, really? You don't care. That's, that's the recruiting violation. Uh, what? Then you had the computer hacking scandal where it was uh, one... I don't even think he was like a position coach, like analyst that was trying to their offensive court, (laughs) trying to hack in (laughs) and who even knows what he was trying to do. Then you had the Connor stallion stuff. I don't know. I don't, maybe this gets taken away. Do I think it's really tainted, tainted? Eh, Probably not. I feel like the Connor stallion stuff was just like what every team tries to do, but on steroids. Okay. They can quote, take it away. Right. But did Reggie Bush win the Heisman? Yes, he was mm-hmm. the most electric player that season. It's, is people going to go back and be like, well, he didn't win the Heisman because they took it away? It's like, you'll go back and like, did Michigan just win the national championship? Yeah. If they take it away, are you going to say they didn't win it? You know why I think this really got stirred up? Be vacated. <laughs> Remember how all the stuff that was coming out on Michigan, it turned out it was like uh, Ohio State fan that had found it. And wasn't it like linked to Ryan Day's brother? No. I, that was the rumor. Out that there. was the rumor, but the not true rumor. The theory, Rowdy, the conspiracy but theory. The, the beginnings of the findings of Connor Stallions was from like an Ohio State blog. Yeah, but it started with a Michigan people accusing them of doing the same thing, and then it was found that Michigan is actually doing it. Well, I think <laughs> looking at it, I wouldn't be surprised if Ohio State did stir it up on purpose because Ryan Day's the one in hot water. Right. Ohio State absolutely dominated Michigan for the most part under Trestle and under Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. Well, now all of a sudden, three straight years, Michigan beats Ohio State. And Ryan Day was, was obviously kind of handpicked by Urban Meyer to be the head coach. He, he didn't exactly pull the bull, Ryan, for Greg Gard, but it was close to that. Well, now Ryan Day, after you know having a lot of success, he's losing to Michigan and not making it to college football playoffs. Sounds like they're in a little bit of hot water. Well, people are calling for Ryan Day's head the last two years. Then all this blows up. I don't know. I, love I thought the controversy uh, of it all. I thought that uh, Desmond Howard on game day earlier in the season brought up a really, really good point about Michigan versus Ohio State. He said if Michigan was stealing all these signs and knew everything that Ohio State was doing, wouldn't you think they would go out and dominate them in the first half? Then at halftime when coaches make adjustments, Ohio State would be able to make adjustments and have better second halves if Michigan knew all their stuff from the start? Well, not if you already know like some of their signals for other things and their formations and the plays they run out of them. If you know that, it gets pretty easy on down and distance and if they do it a lot. See, I think he made a good point saying that if you knew everything going in, they would have less success, Ohio State, that is, from the very jump. But that hasn't been the case. You're agreeing with a guy who said penis multiple times on college game day. What's wrong with that? And and the penis made it to the national championship game, but he looked pretty pretty flaccid. Just let them they say or no, Rowdy, come on. It makes sense because Michigan and Ohio State had been in close games. All three of those games were close at halftime, and then Michigan beat them soundly in the second half. Yeah. So clearly it's not like all of a sudden they started – getting the signs right in the second half. No, if they would have had them all, they would have had them from play one. 
Well, something that will forever uh, cloud over Michigan for this season is the uh, the sign I do want to see the chaos, though, because I think it was from middle of the year when he first got suspended. Michigan versus the world. It yeah. was the year I wanted to see Michigan win it all. And I think it was Michigan's best team that I've probably seen in at least 15 years. Um, let's see here. Uh, I would love to hear from Polly, who, by the way, just messaged. Polly is, uh, there's two reasons I want to hear from Polly up in the Marinette there, WMAM, our great, uh, affiliate. Polly is a, a Bears fan. Yeah. And be a Michigan man. Now we were talking yesterday after the show, uh, Rowdy, it's like, wow, couldn't, uh, didn't even, couldn't even hear from Polly yesterday. Couldn't have the Bears fan take his lumps. And now Polly just messaged us. I don't know if I believe this. I tried calling in yesterday, and you took like four calls right away. I tried today, and you didn't take a call before I had to go into work. Today? Well, Polly, I'm not going to go to the phones at 6.03 in the morning when the show just started. we, we got to set the table a little bit here. I uh, stress patience is a virtue. He said, I go into work. They may vacate wins and their Big Ten championship, but they're not getting stripped of their natty. Everyone does this bleep, and that's the NCAA's fault for not having helmet radios. That's what Polly said. So good morning, Polly. I mean, they'll strip the national title. It's happened before. <laughs> like, it does it matter? I mean, no. Ultimately, no. It's just, because it's just, everybody watched the game. It happened. Yeah, it happened. But it's just symbolic in a way. Yeah. But no one cares. And I agree with Polly. They're like... Everyone does do that crap. And well, if you're really good, you do that crap. It's just someone got caught and others didn't get caught. And I, the one thing I haven't seen other teams do or get busted for is having one of their. No, I don't think they told the guy to do it, but maybe they did. I've never seen a guy dress up in disguise with James Bond spy glasses to go film other teams. I've never seen anyone yeah, do that I'm before. I'm going to go ahead and say that doesn't happen. Well, how about let's look at another scandal for, at Michigan. And we'll go back about 30 years to the Fab Five. People still love the Fab Five. That's still pop culture. Michigan still celebrates them, even though they had to vacate wins. Well, they're now allowed to celebrate them again. They had a moratorium of like 40, 50 years. Not that long. See, the, they were the, they were told they can't even mention them for the longest time. Exactly. Now the now those guys are all back. Now it's like, well, we don't care. We love the Fab Five. This yeah. if they take the wins away and say that this is vacated, the people of at the University of Michigan and Michigan fans will always remember the 2023 team that won the national title. Mm-hmm. It's like when people ask me, would you care? if Wisconsin had the exact same things that Michigan had this year with maybe a potential computer hacker with uh, Connor Stallions and other teams' sidelines, but the Badgers raised a national championship? Dude, I'm sure a lot of teams have tried this, maybe not quite to the depth of Michigan, but maybe that's why Michigan is kind of good because they did go a little further than everyone else, or at least they got caught. I would 100% take that for a Wisconsin national title. You know how fun that season would be? We would always remember it. I'd welcome it with open arms. I really would. And, and, and it's not like all these other programs and all these other blue bloods like Georgia, Michigan, LSU, USC. Can't tell me they haven't had other bag men or scandals. Or We were just talking about Reggie Bush. There was clearly a lot of money going around to USC players back in the early 2000s when they had those absolute stud teams. You think uh, Patriot fans want to give back some of their Super Bowls? Absolutely not. For Bill Belichick and the Patriots doing some dirty, naughty things? No. You think they want to give any of their Super Bowl back? You think Michigan's going to willingly give back this uh, Natty Championship or Big Ten Championship? You think any of these other people that, quote-unquote, the only thing that should be given back is Reggie Bush's Heisman Trophy. That yeah. should be given back to Reggie Bush. That's think, a sham. Do you think anyone from Michigan is going to flip? Look, at they couldn't even get Connor Stallions to flip. He was there. Was Connor Stallions the, there he, last night? I hope he was. Because there, there was a pictures of last game of him being there yeah. against Bama. And he probably was. I hope he was there. Free our guy Stallions. That guy, that guy did everything and gave it his all for Michigan. Wisconsin needs their own Stallions. I, I, I think it's... I'm pretty Darjay. confident saying that uh, college football has been a pretty dirty yeah, sport need to in make general. More money, so they want they want to pay me more than I'm making now. Well, it's to be like a maybe like a side gig at first, mm-hmm. and then see how good. Nope. It, then we get more than seven wins. We go to eight wins, maybe nine wins. Yeah, 
I got my network ready. I need payment. <laughs> the, more, the more wins. You got your Wisconsin hoodie on right now. Looking good, by the way. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Come on, RJ. <laughs> Rowdy, you want to moonlight? As the Stallions, Wisconsin? Wisconsin Dude, Stallions? He's making six figures. Sign me up. <laughs> I'll go well, that was from his Amazon refurbishing uh, vacuum business. That's I don't true. care what the front is. <laughs> the front. Dude, you get front row seats or sideline passes to football games on the weekend. They can cool you, James Bond glasses. All you, all yeah. you, yeah, all you have to report to is like Michigan head coaches. Rowdy, you could. All you gotta I, do, you make six figures. This sounds like a pretty easy job. Do you have any uh, any qualms with wearing like opposing gear of uh, the team you're you know going against and going on their sidelines and filming things? No, the incognito. I mean, would I dress up as a Michigan guy, a Michigan man, and sit on the sidelines and maybe steal some stuff? Sure, everyone's got to look like an idiot once in a while. <laughs> I'll put on the Michigan maize and blue. When it comes to Wisconsin sports, this guy just smacks that out of the park every time. Okay. Our guys, Zach Heilprin. Good morning, Zachy. Good morning. What's going on, brother? Is it, is it snowing? Much, is it snowing in your neck of the woods yet? Yeah, there's there's like a quarter of an inch of snow on the ground here. <laughs> Ridiculous. No, I, was expect, I was expecting more, and uh, we'll probably get more, but... How good of a neighbor are you, Zach? How good of a neighbor are you? Will you shovel your sidewalk, which you're supposed to do, in a good amount of time, or you wait a day or two days to uh, clear it off? Depends how much is there and depends what like, what the weather is going to be like the next day. If it's going to be warm uh, like and sunny, uh, I probably would let it go. But when there's supposed to be six to ten inches, it'll get... It'll get shoveled today. I need you to make sure that you clear a nice path for Sir Remington, your uh, <laughs> the the big dog on the block, so he can have a nice little path when he's being walked by some of your neighbors. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if, if they were on the other side of the street, if they like walked on our side of the street, I would definitely do that all the time, just like little a little small little path for the guy. But he's getting carried half the time anyway. So <laughs> well, his name is Sir Remington. Of course, he's being carried yeah. sometimes. He's a sir. He probably even right? sits on a pillow. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Let's have Dane or every dog Dane or Hank just clear a big old path for him, okay? Oh, that's a Dane, yeah. Oh, that's a little Dane or Hankleton. <laughs> Who's a Dane? Who's a good boy? Hey, Zach. Hank Sheese on the ground, chewing on bones down here. Oh, what a good puppy, Zach. Mm. How about the Wisconsin Badger basketball team? Mm. Oh my gosh! I I saw this tweet from John Rothstein and I saved it. Since getting blown out at Providence in November, Wisconsin has won 10 of 11 games with nine of those victories coming by double figures. The Badgers uh, firmly in discussion to be Purdue's top challenger in the Big Ten, averaging 75.8 points per game, the most in the Greg Gard era. Is this Badgers team the truth this year? Are they legit? It's not even the Greg Gard era. It's the <gasps> Bo Ryan and Greg Gard era. So that's all in 93, 94, right? They haven't averaged this many points since 93, 94. Uh, and they've had better offenses. You know, the, the 2013, 14 team and the 14, 15 team were both better offensively than this one, but you know, efficiency wise, they're the best of the great guard era. And it's really, really impressive. And I also think it's sustainable because until this past week when they or the past game, when they hit 13 threes, they hadn't really been shooting the ball very well from three, and yet they were scoring the way that they were. So I think the things that they've done pretty much all season are sustainable. It's, you know, making sh- making your two-point shots around the basket, which is such a huge problem for them last year. It was getting to the free-throw line. It was it was just not – obviously never turning the ball over, just being efficient. And if you're going to add three-point scoring into it, my goodness, they have a chance to be really special. I think right now they're ranked seventh in the country in offensive efficiency, according to, to Ken Palm and – that is easily the highest uh, of, uh, of great guards tenure. But again, I, this is not, this is not like a few years ago, like different years where they've shot the ball really, really well from the outside early in the season. Then it just fell off. Like they haven't done it very well at all. And I, I, that's why I think this is sustainable for them. What's been the biggest difference this year? Is it the addition of AJ store? Is it, you know, more, I guess, prowess from wall and Crowell? Is it the depth of this team? Like what's, what's the, if you can pinpoint one, the biggest difference. Yeah, I think there's a lot of them, but I, I think the, the big one is obviously AJ Store because he's a guy. Th- those scoring drops that they went through last year, where I mean, they went double-digit minutes without scoring against um, against Michigan, there were some obviously in the NIT semifinal they went a really really long time without scoring to end that one and blow that lead. 
AJ Stewart doesn't allow it to happen. He's going to force it. He's, he's going to force his way in there. And whether he's getting to the line or whether he's finishing inside, he has just the ability to be a, for lack of a better term, a slump buster. Um, you know what I mean? Like they, they, they have, uh, like if there's a scoring drought, he can get inside. And then the also thing, you also got John Blackwell that, that can do that. And Chucky Hepburn has been finishing around the rim. Like he was, in the 30% uh, and shooting around in the 30s last year from two point. He's in the mid 40s now, which is a huge step up. Tyler Wall, the same thing. He's jumped, his percentage on two pointers is up 11% from last year. We, we, I remember we talked all about this last year. Why can't Tyler Wall finish around the basket? And because it was such, an, it was something he was so good at the year before, and now he's back to doing that. And so, yeah, I think there's a lot of things that go into it. I think AJ Storr is obviously the biggest difference because he gives them an athletic presence that they did not have last year. So, Zach, a lot of people um, were talking about if they want a deep run in March Madness, they're going to need, you know, that three-point shooting. And why? The sniper. Yeah, they, they need, the, I call them the Asegenites. These are the people that yeah. have taken upon their mantle to march for their, their, their savior. Connor Asegen. The Asegenites are saying, let free my man, free my person. Connor Asegen had a hell of a game uh, off the bench uh, over the weekend against Nebraska. Could Connor Asegen? Be a key moving forward with some uh, lights out offense to make a Let deep my run. Go. Let my Ephesian go. Yeah, you get, you, get, <laughs> you, get, you get what I'm putting down. Yeah, I do. Uh, <laughs> can he be the difference? Absolutely. We we saw it last year. Now he also put together about a 25 game stretch until this past week where <laughs> he shot in the he shot in the 20s. You know, from three, he was not very good to the end of last season. Was not very good at the beginning of this season. But yeah, I mean, if he, I still, he's obviously still their best three point shooter. They ha- but he hasn't done it this year. And so I think you're able to overlook some of the, and last year they forced you because yeah. they're only off. I mean, it was their only, like one of their few true weapons you could turn to. And, and uh, so they allowed him to stay on the floor, floor, even when maybe he wasn't great defensively. They don't have to do that this year. They have other guys that can score. And so he has to be willing and able to do the other stuff to get on the floor as much as fans want him to be out there. And I, I can't, there's not too many guys in this, in in the last 20 some odd years that I think fans get more excited about when he's out on the floor and he hits a shot. Like it's, he, he it's is a crowd favorite. Like it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Especially for a guy who's shooting about 25% from three in the last 20 games or so, 20, 25 games or so. So yes. Can he be a difference maker? Absolutely. Uh, because he's, he can come off the bench and give you that quick scoring punch. It's just, can, how long can he stay on the floor and do the other things? And he's improved. Certainly has. He wouldn't be getting on the. He wouldn't have gotten 13 minutes the other day if he hadn't improved. But if he's if he comes out and misses his first shot or comes out and misses his first two shots, how many more minutes does he get the rest of the game? Depends who you ask. I think it's the question. <laughs> well, I think one thing that was was actually pretty wild to see is I, I know that Greg Gard had said you know he's, he's had a bad back. We're gonna try and work him in, and then you watch him play Chicago State and he gets like a couple of minutes, and it was like, oh, was that just kind of lip service or what's going on here? Well, when he came in against Nebraska, and even the the broadcast was saying this, they were drawing up plays for him, and he came in and he was not scared to pull that trigger right away. Never has, never has been <laughs> right. I mean. I mean, and that's the thing. Last year, he had the green light to shoot whenever he wanted to. And I think he still got the green light to shoot whenever he wanted to. But they did run some things for him. And I think he's obviously at his best coming off screens and being able to get just a little bit of separation and throw it up. And they were going in on Saturday. I don't think he's lost his ability to shoot, right? Like, that that, that hasn't gone away. But this team is different. And so he's being, he's being treated differently and, and being asked to do different things. And um, he doesn't just have to be on the floor because – he's their only offense. He's not. And so there, there is not as I think a big of a push to get him on or a big of necessity to get him on at this point when you're, when you're playing as well offensively as you are right now. Zach. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, what tomorrow in Columbus against Ohio state. I want to ask you about last night though. The national championship is, uh, mm-hmm. is it tainted? Is Michigan winning at all? Is it tainted? We'll see. I mean, right? We don't know yet. Like, what's the rest of the investigation show? That this this is not done being investigated. I don't particularly care. I mean, there's people are cheating all over the place. Michigan just stupid enough to get caught, and should they be punished for that? Eh, probably. And but will it matter? Do you think it's going to take away from what they? Like, you can take it away, but it's not going to take away the memories that people had it from the game. 
or the, you know, the accomplishments of what they did last night or what they did this season, they don't care. They're still going to be raising a, a banner no matter what, no matter what the NCAA says. So take it away, leave it. Doesn't really matter at this point. They won, and that's all that that people in Michigan really care about. Will they build the statue of Connor Stallions? <laughs> yes, right next to Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> uh, Jim Harbaugh. Like, like, yeah, sorry. Like with like whispering into his ear uh, for the play calls uh, that the other team is running. It's gonna be it's gonna be a great great statue uh i know it's a lot of conjecture and not sure what's going to happen but what does zach halpern think does jim harbaugh stay does he bolt to the nfl what do you think happens i think he's gone yeah i think he's gone i thought he was gone no matter what like i thought after this year and i mean he missed how many games he suspended six? six three and then three <laughs> why would you want to come back to that like there's you, you just accomplished something that michigan has been pushing for for you know 30 plus or almost 25 years 26 years like why would you come back and try and do it again there's just there's no reason for it the only thing he hasn't accomplished in his coaching career is to win a Super Bowl and so there's gonna be and, and the money that's gonna be thrown his way they've been he's been jumping almost he's almost jumped the last few years why not go now it doesn't I mean you're never gonna be more wanted now than uh or never gonna be wanted more now or any at any point than you yeah. are now how far away is Wisconsin from you know I guess winning the Big Ten now. You know it's changing now, so I guess we don't really know. But uh, how far away uh, is this program from being that tier one team? Uh, I mean, I know it's a tough. It's a hard question. It's not even a tough question. It's, it's, it's they're not close right now. Um, they, look, they've gone. They went. They've gone seven and six, seven and six, nine and four, and four and three in their last four years. That's that's who they are. That's who they are. That's who they are as a as a program. That's who they are as a team. And until they prove otherwise, that's exactly who they're going to be. I don't. I didn't. I mean, they had the exact same record this year as last year. I think that there were some improvements somewhere, but I don't. I don't know. Like, are they going in the right direction? These are all questions that I I, I wasn't expecting to ask after year one, but it's it's where we're at. Yeah. And I'm not. Uh, I'm not confident that. Growing pains, growing pains, especially with the Big Ten now, you know, forever changing. So that genie well, will not be right. put back in the bottle. No, and again, is it? Yeah, is it going to be more difficult to win the Big Ten than it has been? Absolutely, because you don't. There's, I mean, you have to beat how many guys, how many teams, how many good, very good teams. You have three marquee games every year now. It's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough, and they are. What we saw this year was not nearly good enough. So we'll see. I, you know, I did find it interesting last night watching that national championship game. I was, you know, told by Twitter and, and some listeners and people that like to chime in that how would the Big Ten be able to play against some of these Pac-12 offenses like the Oregon, Washington, USC's of the world? Uh, I think we just saw that with good defense and just running it right down their throats. Well, I mean, it's not even the good defense part. It's about dominating in the trenches. And they did it on both sides of the ball. They ran it down their throat, and they destroyed Michael Penix. Like, he wasn't able to hold the ball and throw the ball down the field nearly as much as he had done all year. And Michigan's defensive line and offensive line owned the game, and that was, to me, the story of it. Like, And that's something that Wisconsin has done in the past, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But the defensive line is is just a difference maker for some of these elite teams. And Wisconsin and a lot of other teams do not have those type of playmakers along the defensive line right now. And Wisconsin's defensive line, if it's if it's as it is right now, next year, it's gonna be a very long year. Right. They are not they are not in a very good spot right now. All right, Zach, last question for you, brother. What happens Sunday? Jerry's world. Packers, Cowboys, Mike McCarthy takes on Jordan Love and Matt LeVleur. For you guys, is it, are they playing with house money? Oh, well, yeah, totally. Green Bay? Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, house money, yeah. they have been for a while. Right. So, I mean, go out there, play free, you know, have a, have a potential role in firing McCarthy, you know, twice in five years. <laughs> like, there are uh, there are a lot of opportunities there. I, I have a feeling, I fe- have a feeling that's going to be a close game, and I think, I think Green Bay wins. Again, we were talking about it yesterday, Evo. I, yes, they won 16 straight at home, but they shouldn't have. Mm. <laughs> they should have won the last time they played at home. Detroit beat them. Yeah. So uh, if not for, uh, for for some questionable flags there. So, yes, uh, I think I think Green Bay somehow finds a way. They've never lost at AT&T Stadium. Zach, I'm a terrible liar. I have one more question. Mm. Joel Berry. Does he stay or does he go? He's got to go. I, I, does I don't does care he? What you get 
He does. I don't care what you did against Jaron Hall. I don't care what you did against – unless they win the Super Bowl, unless they go down to Dallas and hold Dallas to, to a, without a touchdown, they beat Justin Fields and Jaron Hall. Get the hell out of here. I don't, I, I, you don't make up for how horrible things were for much Top of the year. Getting, much of the year, you don't know. No, he's gone. You cannot bring that back. I don't know. Absolutely not. Zach, get the shovel out. Snowmageddon's coming. Get ready. We need that path card for Sir Remington, okay? They need a path, a nice little path on the sidewalk for Sir Remington, all right? I'm going to go take care of it right now. Well, just w- wait for the snow to actually start coming, then take care of it. Okay? Nope, I'm going to go take care of it right now. <laughs> Zach, we love you, buddy. Uh, good luck. Bunker down, baby. She coming. See you later. Yeah, later, guys. See you, bud. There he is, Zach Halpern, our sports director. Good stuff right there. At Zach Halpern on Twitter, uh, you have The Camp, his Wisconsin football podcast with Jesse Temple. They also do The Swing, Wisconsin basketball, and the trifecta, Temple and Halpern, live at Moncton Sun Prairie, 6 to 7. Beautiful. And I'll stay alive. All oh, the Packers stayed alive, baby. They beat the Chicago Bears. The Bears still suck. Dicka sausage. Packers now take on the boys. A special edition, a Tuesday edition. Our guy Rob Reichel, Forbes.com, Conley Media. Robbie! What's up, brother? Wow, you're, you're, you're really mixing it up for me on a, on a Tuesday. We went Zeppelin to Pearl Jam. So, well, yeah. I'm trying to cater to you, Rob. I know you love Zeppelin. I know you no, love Pearl Jam. No, no, please, please. You, you can play Zeppelin every day the rest of my life if you're catering to me. So, um, <sighs> But uh, I, I, I know you don't always... You, you, I know you say you sometimes always can't understand the Pearl Jam lyrics, so... Uh, I understood that one. I'll stay alive, baby. Packers did just that. How's it feel, Rob? Rob? Robbie? <laughs> I guess Rob wanted to go jam some Pearl Jam. Rob, we'll get Rob back on the horn quick. Uh, as Rob calls uh, back in, I don't know what happened to Robbie right there. But, um, Robbie, are you, is that you, buddy? I switched phones. We're going to try it up, boys. Sorry. That's the. Uh, no worries. That's, we, we, we have almost no snow here, but apparently the weather is playing a little bit of an issue. Today. We blamed it on the snow, Rob. We blamed it on the snow in your area. <laughs> a, how much is it snowing? And B, how many schools have called off in your neck of the woods? Oh, everything was called off yesterday, Evo, by 4 o'clock, even though we hadn't, hadn't seen, uh, you know, the, the, the sniff of a snowflake yet. Um, other than the people in charge, I guess they would be the only snowflake. Um, <laughs> but I'm bummed. Uh, yeah, no, we literally Evo. We we we've got less than an inch of snow. But you know, thank God, thank God the kids are safe, Evo. Oh, it's all about that safety, Rob. Hey, Robbie, before thank we God, buddy. before we get into the Cowboys, that Rowdy and I were just talking about, you know, is it Aaron Jones the weapon to use? Is you know Jordan Love to continue on with him? But speaking of Jordan Love. How about that performance from uh, number 10 against the Chicago Bears? That was uh, in a do-or-die situation. My God, was he electric. I mean, just just absolutely unbelievable. And I, and I wrote the other night, the Packers haven't seen a performance like that from a quarterback in a big game since, you know, back in probably the Super Bowl run of 2010 because Rodgers had so many bad games in a row in, in so many of these winner go-home type of games. You know, I mean, it's crazy, Evo. Their last three seasons had ended at Lambeau Field, right? The 2010 NFC title game, or 2020 NFC title game with Tampa Bay. 2021, the offense went in the shell, and they lost as, you know, a, as the number one seed and a home favorite to San Francisco. And then, obviously, last year, the, the winner-go-home game against Detroit. And Jordan Love changed that narrative completely. He was absolutely unbelievable, Evo. He, you know, the... I mean, almost perfection. You know, when the game ended, Evo, and his passer rating was only 128.6, I went and recalculated it two or three times thinking that almost has to be wrong, right? Because he was, I don't have it in front of me, but I think he was 27 to 32 for 316, which is, which is you know, you know he, he's, he's in the, in the mid eighties for completion percentage. He's, you know, he's almost 10 yards on attempt. Evo, he throws the two touchdowns, no picks. I mean, what more can he ask for the guy? You know, and, and just, uh, you know, aside from the stats alone, uh, Evo, you know, there's a couple of throws he makes in that game that, uh, again, show you he's going to be a viable MVP candidate down the road here that, you know, there's only three, four guys in the league that, that can make the throw. He, you know, he throws that deep out in, in the second quarter, I think it was, to Jaden Reed. Uh, for about 25 yards right on the sideline, Evo, where he's got to place it perfectly, and it's a long, long throw. I mean, they have to block it up like crazy. 
but it's a long, long throw. Um, and and he places it right over the linebacker who jumps and right in front of the corner. I mean, it's a tiny window. You know, and, the, and then in that, you know, four-minute drill, which for Green Bay was six the other day, Evo, you know, he scrambles right at the end there and he makes that third down completion to, to, to pretty much run out the clock to, to Tucker Kraft. He, you know, the, the play there where he extends it and uh, continues that drive and they're able to eventually run out the clock. I mean, Evo, it was it was so remarkably impressive what he did in really his first enormous uh, football game, I'd say, is the Green Bay Packers starting quarterback. And the second one will obviously come Sunday. But the way Love has played the last 10 games, I, I you know, I, I, I certainly don't think the moment's going to be too big for him when they go down to Dallas. Rob, let me ask you something on the other side. Despite all the, um, you know, amazingness and all the jubilation of the Packers beating the Bears and getting into the playoffs, we had a lot of calls yesterday about Joe Barry. What happens with Joe Barry? You, what happens? Did, right? What happens with Joe Barry moving forward, Robbie? Do you think you know they're a t- what are they a top ten scoring defense now? They have made the playoffs. What have you done for me lately? You held the team to nine points, right? Does Joe Barry have a future with the Green Bay Packers? I, I, the only and I and I talked to a few people in the organization, Evo, and I, I just I, I nobody wants to go on the record and say this. I think. I think the only way Evo he goes uh, or he sticks around uh, for next season is if they go to the Super Bowl and if they play really, really well in the three playoff games. I mean, if they win playoff games, Evo 38-35, and they go to the Super Bowl, he's still not coming back. They would they would have to win in a manner much like they did last week against Chicago, you know, where they, where they win a grinder like that and hold the team out of the end zone along the way or or something like that, or take Dallas's high-powered offense on Sunday and win the game 2017 and have a few of those types of games along the way to, to, the, to the postseason. There's just so much that's gone wrong there on that side of the ball. Evo, he was, you know, he was pretty much put on alert by Brian Gutekunst after the draft when, when Gutekunst made a couple comments along the line of, you know, that, that they've underperformed on that side of the ball or, or really was a critical make-or-break type of year. You think back to the problems they've had this season, uh, Evo, along the way, and I get it, everybody's going to have clunkers here and there, but, but the one thing that stands out is just the communication side of this thing, um, and, and, that, and that was so critical. You remember the Tampa Bay game three, four weeks ago, uh, the, the meltdowns they even had after that against Carolina. Malafleur having to jump in and say he's gonna he's gonna have to play a more active role on on the defensive side of the football. Now, you know he came out yesterday, Matt did, and he and he said he really maybe hasn't done quite as much as as maybe he thought he would or people thought he would. But the fact he'd even have to stick his hands into that messy situation in the first place, Evo, he'd love to find a guy like Rich Passaccia where where he just turns it over to him and he doesn't have to think twice. And Matt can only worry, you know. About about the offense and really the, the the football team on a bigger picture on a whole, he certainly doesn't want to meddle on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, say what say what you want about how things have gone with Passaccia. You know, Matt hasn't had one you know one word of input on that. So, you know, with with that with that particular unit since they hired him a couple of seasons back. So, no, Emo, to your question, I, I you know I, I get it. He's public enemy number one still in the state and and rightfully so. I think in a, in a lot of regards. Um, I, I think something crazy here would still have to happen for him to return in 2024. Rob, isn't it wild that we're talking about potentially still canning Joe Barry? And I'm not saying that that's wrong. I would actually probably agree with it. But this is probably Joe Barry's best work and best job he's done as a defensive coordinator, when you talk about the injuries, some of the guys that they had to play, some of the some of the stuff that's popped up this season, lack of experience, you can go right on down the list. It's probably his best job, but he probably still deserves to be fired. You're probably not wrong in, <laughs> in anything what you just said there, Nelly. You know, I again, I I I can. I'm sure if you guys went back three and a half years or whatever and dug up the sound. Um, th- this was a move I was highly critical of when it first happened. I, I, I would have a feeling you guys were, you, you knew his track record from floppy in Detroit and then later Washington, nothing jumped off the page about him 
as you know as a unique play caller on the defensive side of the ball and it, it isn't one of these you know guys who had this crazy unique scheme or was known for a blitz package that that lit up the world or anything like that there was nothing uh, about Joe Barry that said anything other than vanilla and and really that that that's what it has been you know from from upstairs in that building you know, Nelly, I mean, the the world knows this. Every, every first-round pick pretty much in Green Bay, other than Jordan Love for 12 years, has gone to the defensive side of the football. You know, they, they want even more than, than what he's shown this year. And I get it. They've been beat up at times. He had a few games there where he had a completely different, you know, makeshift secondary than, than what he anticipated. But the defensive line, you know, ha, ha, they, they've been completely healthy through the course of the year. Um you know, I know, I know Quay missed a couple of games. Campbell missed a couple of games, but outside, you know, that they've had, they've had Preston the whole year. They've had Gary pretty much the whole year. They've had bad Ness the whole year. They've had Enigbari the whole year. Um, so really, I mean, outside of the secondary, that front seven, has been really healthy. Um, has it, has it been great work? Absolutely not. Has it been mediocre or a little bit above average? Yeah, probably, uh, Nelly, but you know, are you going to win a Super Bowl with Joe Barry? You're, you're probably not. And and they're in the next year or two, they're going to get to a point where they're going to have a Super Bowl offense, and they want a defense to at least, you know, try to try to be in the same stratosphere of where that offense is going to be. And and I, and I just have a hunch they believe now they've seen enough internally that Joe Barry's not the guy to take them there. Rob Reichel joining us right now, Forbes.com, Conley Media. Give him a follow as well on Twitter at Rob Reichel. Robbie, uh, we'll get more into the Cowboys coming up here on Thursday when you rejoin sure. us. But um, I, I do want to ask you, of, as long as you've been covering the Green Bay Packers, has this season been one of the biggest roller coaster rides that uh, you have been a part of? I don't know if you guys remember when we did this back in like August or September, and I and I predicted they'd go ten and seven and, and win the division, so I was off a little bit. Um, but I I do think I was one of the few people that had them in the playoffs. Um, I said to you guys, betting the betting this team week to week is going to be nearly impossible, and I I said they're going to have three four clunkers along the way that you just don't see coming, right? And they had them. They had them in Atlanta. They had it with with, with the Raiders. You know, they had it that first home game against Minnesota. They've, they've had some stinkers along the way. But I also said they're going to upset three or four teams along the way that, that, that you simply just, just don't see it coming. And, uh, you know, that, that was teams like the Chiefs or the Lions on the road at, at Thanksgiving or even Minnesota a couple weeks ago on that, on that Sunday night game. Um, I don't think anybody saw 33-10 coming that particular night. Yes, I mean, the long, long answer there, obviously, Evo, which, which you're used to with me. Um, but lo- long, long, <laughs> long love answer you. is yes. It, it, it's been a crazy, crazy roller coaster. Now, that's going to level out here over the next year or two. But, but it's expected, right? It's the youngest team in the league. It's, it's the youngest uh, team to make the playoffs since 1977. I mean, you, you've got – I mean, I looked yesterday – the, the, the 13 draft picks that they used in April, uh, Evo, 12 of them were on the football field at some point in time uh, Sunday afternoon. I mean, that's absolutely remarkable that, that 12 thirteenths of your draft class played a role in the most critical game of your season to go to the playoffs. So with that much youth, yes, obviously it was, you know, it, it, it was it was going to be a herky jerky ride uh, for this group a, along the way. But but man, the, the second half of the season, and 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 we talked about that if you remember, guys, back in the summer and back you know before they kicked it off on September 10th against the Bears. You know, we talked about this will be a dramatically better football team in the second half of the year than it than it than it will be in the first. And my only question was, will they dig themselves too big of a hole? to climb out of that and 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 they didn't and and Matt LaFleur and that group gets a lot of credit Evo for for them to even still be playing football here uh you know the the, the second week of of January and and they they get a chance to you know kind of shock the world and and go win at Dallas Dallas on on Sunday and in, in really what's a what's a fascinating football game Evo because the Packers have absolutely nothing to lose and your guy, Big Mike, is looking for that oh, yeah. contract extension, and he and he didn't get the thumbs up the other day from Big Jerry. So it's uh, there's there's 
there's there's going to be an incredible amount of drama when when they you know when they, when they go to AT and T Stadium Sunday. Well, last question for you, Rob, on the Packers. Um, does that just kind of add to the young legacy right now of Jordan Love? I mean, you talked about you know, they're two and five, right? They hit a couple skids. You lose to what the 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 Giants and the Buccaneers. Do you give credit to Jordan Love there, the youngest team in the NFL, of kind of just holding it all together and not have a panic and just kind of like, hey, just be calm, cool, collected, say we got this. Hundred percent. He's he's emerged as their best football player. I, I don't even think that can be argued anymore at at this point in time. And he's probably their most calm presence through that locker room. I mean that th- th- there were some fascinating comments to me the other night um, and to other reporters too, Evo. But you know where where you know Preston Smith said, for example, um, you know we've had meaningful games in the past here and, and we can't win them. And and this was a meaningful football game, like an incredibly meaningful football game Sunday night, and and our quarterback took us there. A couple of guys, Quay Walker, Runyon, uh, Josh Myers, all talked about the chemistry missing the last year or two. They wouldn't go as far as saying the last quarterback's name, Evo, oh. but they continued to talk about chemistry and 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 the chemistry that Jordan Love brings to that locker room, and 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 it's it's unquestioned, it's unparalleled. Um, that they are a, a thousand times tighter as a team, as a group, as a, as, as a unit this season ac- across the board, and, and Love deserves, you know, a ton of credit for that. It, you know, it's not all Aaron's fault either, Evo. You know, when when you are 40 and all your teammates are 22, I, I could certainly relate. I mean, it's, it, 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 it's tough to, you know, find ways to be on the same page as those guys. Jordan Love's the same age as all these guys. I mean, these, these are these are his peers. These are his buddies. These, these are guys he's, he's running with a little bit. Aaron was a different cat, and certainly at 40, he didn't want to run with 22-year-old wide receivers. But, but you did see Evo by the end of the year. You know, we, we said this all last year, right? Aaron had missed the previous offseason program. The Green Bay had gone young and gone with so many rookies last year at, at, at wide receiver, and it, and it took Aaron forever to even get on, on a, you know, on a page that was, you know, even remotely acceptable with those guys. And really the only one by the end of the year was Christian Watson that he was on the same page with. Jordan Love got on the same page with these guys pretty quickly, if you think about it, uh, Evo. And, and he's turned a guy like Jaden Reed into a – you know, Jaden Reed's a hell of a player on his own, but Jordan Reed or uh, Jordan Love's going to take him to another level. Evo, um, you know, he, he's taken Dontavian Wicks to a place that I think none of us a- anticipated. You know, two weeks ago in this state, nobody knew who Bo Melton was, and, and Jordan Love has taken him to and, and elevated his football game. So, undoubtedly, Evo Jordan Love deserves an immense amount of credit for where this team is and, and where it's going. And and I don't think it's hyperbole. I don't think I'm exaggerating at all, Evo. Um, he's going to come into next year as one of the top five favorites to win an MVP. Rob, it's been a whole lot of love. Jordan Love and love with you here on a special edition on a Tuesday. Love it. We'll do it again on Thursday. Hyper-focus on the Cowboys coming up. Last thing, Robbie, real quick. You were there in attendance Saturday at the Kohl Center. Thumbs up, two thumbs up for Greg Gard using Connor Asijan. He He listened to you last Thursday. Yeah, the, the only question is, hey, Greg, what took so long? And, 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 the, and, and, the second, and the second thing isn't a question as much as a statement. It better continue because, like we've talked about on the past, hey, this is a really, really good basketball team. It's probably their best basketball team top to bottom since, since 2015, Evo. But the only way they're, they're making a deep run in March is, is, is that Connor Asijan is along for the ride yeah, yeah. with valuable minutes uh, versus sitting there on the bench waving pom-poms with Isaac Gard. Rob, so, we love you, buddy, keep, with keep, Isaac Gard. Keep, keep it going, Connor. Keep it going, Greg. <laughs> and everybody in this state is going to be happy. Robbie, we'll reconvene on Thursday. We love you, buddy. Can't wait, pal. See you, yeah. bud. There he is, Rob Reichel. Forbes.com, Media. <laughs> yep, excitement running high. Packers-Cowboys. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Down in Jerry's world. Here from Matt LaFleur. He's on the podium yesterday. Our guy, Matty. Hi, Rowdy. With someone that's uh, been a big, you know, talking point, has this been uh, this offense, especially these uh, young receivers? There's not a number one, right? If you were to say a number one, who would it be? Reed? Man, I don't know. I don't have one. I can't give you an answer because I don't think there is one. Yeah. Well, yeah. I would say, well, especially with. 
Christian Watson being out and hardly playing this season. Because I, I, body makeup, skills makeup, combine numbers, whatever you want to say, he has the makeup to be the number one. What he's like six three, six four, vertical close to forty, runs like a four three, uh, long limbs. In theory, he should be the guy that if you were going to con- construct a number one wide receiver, would be that guy. But that doesn't always play out that way. Yeah. Um. But I would say, yeah, I don't know. Right now, I would say your number one, doesn't it feel like it would be Reed or Wicks? Yeah. Which is crazy because Reed was a second-round pick out of Michigan State, and Wicks was a fifth-round pick out of Virginia. Both are rookies. Yeah. And I still think Romeo Dobbs is a nice player. I just I think we are, we always knew that Romeo Dobbs didn't have the same type of ceiling as a Christian Watson, but he was solid. You knew he was going to be solid. You knew exactly what you're getting, but you knew you weren't getting a superstar. You're just getting a solid wide receiver. Doesn't that almost kind of feel like if we were going to go and compare, because they they make this comparison all the time, right? Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love. Oh, yeah. If you look at the Aaron Rodgers wide receivers, when you're talking about like who the star wide receivers were, well, you would say Greg Jennings and Jordy Nelson, right? Like James Jones was nice, but he wasn't some star player. Correct. Yeah. Doesn't Romeo Dobbs feel more like a James Jones? Like he's solid, but he's not a star. You want to get him a hoodie? I mean, he could play in this league for ten years yeah. and just be just consistent. Keep, just yeah. keep consistently putting along. Well, here's Lafleur on what he's like I- a 1990 Gold Camry. <laughs> just plugs along, plugs along, and pulls into the Midwest family. Driveway every Monday through Friday. Yeah, just does the job. Well, here's Matt LaFleur, what has allowed young receivers to step in and not miss a beat. I know we all get caught up in the stats and, and what they're doing with, you know, in terms of the number of catches, receiving yards, the touchdowns, all that. But I thought really, it really showed just how competitive they were in the run game. There was some, just the effort, the physicality, the strain. I think when you get that from that core, it just brings a different dimension to your offense. And then more from LaFleur talking about how do you make sure this team just isn't happy to be in the playoffs? I fully believe that these guys have the mindset of just showing up and, and continuing to work, try to get a little bit better. We obviously know we have a great challenge in front of us going down to Dallas against a team that they're 8-0 at home. They seem to be playing their best ball at home, littered with pro bowlers all over their roster. You know, our guys, they know it starts with our the work that we put in and the preparation, and it's going to be a big week for us. Yeah. Um, by the way, Packers, no Pro Bowlers, whatever. Uh, so after the game Sunday, Matt LaFleur is kind of gushing over Joe Barry on the podium, you know, saying how great of a job he's been. LaFleur was asked yesterday, uh, defensively, can the Packers maintain what they've gotten the last couple of weeks? Well, the last couple of weeks, you went Justin Fields and the Bears. You know, before that was Jaron Hall in the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. If, if you want to talk about the, to take anything away. the last two weeks, the three quarterbacks that you've seen, Jaron Hall, fifth round pick out of BYU. That's a rookie known for being able to be mobile, but you really threw him into the fire. I know he had played a little bit before then, but you threw him into the fire. Kevin O'Connell's game plan was absolute garbage. Terrible. Second half. You saw Nick Mullen career backup, a guy that he's going to come out there. He's going to whip the football around, but you also know that he's going to turn the football over. He, he is an all-or-nothing quarterback. And then you have, obviously, what we saw last week in Justin Fields, another guy that can run the football. You see flashes of him making throws. But, the, the Bears are done with him, though. But most people would say that they've turned sour on Justin Fields, like yeah. you mentioned the Bears fans. Yeah, now you're talking about Dak. Dak Prescott, obviously, has had good seasons in the past. MVP, maybe. He's having a top-five quarterback season this year he's in the running for mvps in the top five for mvp uh well i guess that goes hand in hand with having a top five quarterback season because it's basically a quarterback award now but yeah he's having one of his better years dak prescott could potentially win mvp that's a hell of a of a long ways away from jaron hall fifth round rookie that's hardly played nick mullen career backup that's all or nothing and justin fields another Chicago bear who they're trying to see if he can be a quarterback in the league. I shouldn't say if he can be a quarterback lead, if he can be a, a middle of the road to good starting quarterback in the league. Yeah. Here's LaFleur. <laughs> this is a guy that's, I don't think anyone, if you were ever rating quarterbacks since Dak Prescott has hit the scene 
taking the job from Tony Romo in his last year, I don't think anyone would have rated Dak Prescott any lower than 12th in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. here's, the, here's the floor. <laughs> uh, defensively, can they keep it going? Here you go. When we have all 11 doing their job and playing as one, there's been some pretty good performances. It's just whether it's communication or somebody has a misassignment, that's when bad things happen. So I, I think we've done a better job these last couple games having all the guys on the same page maybe mixing a few things up, playing a little bit more aggressive at times. Now, LaFleur, and when Tim from Sparta called in, telling Vegabon and John to stop it, because, you know, Matt LaFleur, after the debacle against the Buccaneers, LaFleur said he was going to step in and have a more hand in uh, the defensive plays. And Tim from Sparta's like, LaFleur is the one changing the plays and calling it here. LaFleur was asked about the defense improving since he has inserted himself more into the weekly planning. Here's uh, the head coach. Yeah. I said, here is the head coach. I think our guys have done a really nice job of uh, coming up with solid game plans. And it's always a fine line of how much you want to get involved on the other side. I mean, certainly it's it's my responsibility at the end of the day. But I think there's, there's also, when you're a play caller, I, I've talked to a lot of other head coaches around the league. And just in terms of how much time do you devote when you are the play caller, it is a challenge. So do you give him the full credit, Rowdy? I mean, he said he was going to insert himself more into Joe Barry's plan. Um, I'm going to take him at his word. Do you give him more credit for this? I don't know. I find it hard to give him that much credit. Because if you're the head coach and someone's out of line, shouldn't you be the first one to snap them back into line? Real quick. And why did it take until the last five weeks of the season? Because we talked about all this season's a roller coaster, right? It's been up and down. We've seen good defense. We've seen bad defense. We've seen horrible offense. We've seen good offense. Why did it take until the last couple of weeks of the season for you to finally bitch at Joe Barry and say, no, we're not doing that anymore. We're doing it this way. That's a great question. You're the head coach. That's on you to say that. You could have said that in theory in week six. Why did it take until week 16? You could have done it right after the season ended last year. And knowing you're bringing Joe Barry back to be like, I'm going to have more of a say. Or, hey, you know what? It's your defense, but I'm telling you right now, we're not playing all that zone. Yeah. You can call the plays, but I'm telling you right now, we're not running zone or something to that extent. Put your foot down. But I'm overriding Be the you. leader. Be the head coach. One more from LaFleur on their defense the last two weeks. Our execution has been much better. We've definitely been more disruptive. I think up front, you know, we're putting pressure on the quarterback, which always helps. I think we're playing the run pretty tough. So it'll be another great challenge this weekend. And it will be. I mean, Dax no slap. C.D. Lamb, that guy's balling. Hell, Barry Alvarez's grandson, Jake Ferguson, is really coming into his own, too, in the NFL. See, this is my thing. I always kind of question whether LaFleur was qualified to be the head coach or not when he was hired because there was a lot of underlying things that said, eh, who knows. But since seeing it, since 2019, the offense itself and his scheme, I know we've had some questions up and down, but this year it was... A lot of young and inexperienced now that it feels like they're towards the end of the year where, you know, a lot of experts say rookies aren't rookies anymore, Mm -hmm. that it's kind of come together and it's looking good. They're seeing growth. I've never questioned whether he was a decent offensive coordinator or not. Like that was never a thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I still, because of stuff like this, like waiting until week 16 to go bitch at Barry, it's the little things about being the head coach. I don't, it's not that I don't think he can't be a really good offensive coordinator. I just that it's the head coaching job, not the head offensive coordinator and kind of head coach. Well, how about this? Speaking of head coaches, you got Mike McCarthy versus the head coach Matt LeFleur. Ooh, the storylines are amazing. I will say this. Mike McCarthy, obviously Big Mike. Big Mike. More wins than Lombardi. He, Super Bowl winner. A lot of flack that could be said about his weight gain and Maybe a gruff, handsome lack of appearance, but I, I love, I love <laughs> the, the silver tinted beard that McCarthy has. And when he walks out there with the, the Dallas Cowboys blue hat on with the aviator, oh, yeah. like the mirror aviators, oh, yeah. oh, that, that is a peak Mike McCarthy look. That's Pittsburgh tough coming at you right there, Rowdy, in <laughs> that, the big D. That's something. That's, he looks like he should be like from one of those like 80s or 90s documentaries where he's actually flying the planes full of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs>
He does look like a, like a drug trafficker in the yeah. 80s or something. He's just gruff, you know? Well, you're not, not going to cross him. Love that look for Big Mike. He's got a little snarl on his face with that salt and pepper beard and those aviators. We're, we're flying this plane low, and we're getting to Miami, baby. Let's go. <laughs> The only reason they're flying it low is because what's that? What's little, that? Little extra weight on that. What's ship. that Tom Cruise movie where he's the drug runner? Um, American Made. Yeah, I can see Mike McCarthy being one of the pilots in American Made. That movie's badass, by the way. <laughs> oh, Portage Mike says uh, Mike Sherman or Matt Lafleur. Oh, no, Matt, Matt Lafleur. No one wore khaki pants like Mike Sherman, though, baby. Mike Sherman completely lost the locker room and never ever got it back. Brett, there's people on record saying Brett Favre would not even listen. To Mike Sherman and would make fun of Mike Sherman. You see a guy hiked up khaki pants like that? You gonna listen to him, Rowdy? Oh, by the way, do you know who his daughter is married to? Oh, Zach Taylor, yeah, the head coach for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, the there's, NFL lines running. Here's a little Rowdy. fun fact of the day.